0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, this is Maggie, and on this episode, we are doing the 71st Best Picture winner, Shakespeare in
1: Love. Shakespeare in Love is a 1998 period piece and romantic comedy directed by John Madden and starring Gwyneth Paltrow, Joseph Fiennes, Jeffrey Rush, Colin Firth, Ben Affleck, Judi Dench, so all-star cast.
0: I just, one, Ben Affleck is so young in this movie. <laughs>
1: I, think I mean, so is great, Paltrow, we'll t-
0: but <laughs> yes,
1: I will talk about that, too. I love him in this little role. He's chewing all of the scenery, but in like the best way possible.
0: Mm-hmm. They're all fantastic. And of course, Judi Dench just steals every scene she's in, in the best way possible.
1: Judi Dench, to me, she plays Queen Elizabeth the First in this and like her in this film, like in my mind, that is Queen Elizabeth the First. much like how in my mind, she is also Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And always will be.
0: Uh, She's just spectacular.
1: Yeah, she's great. Um, The film depicts the fictional romance between William Shakespeare and the daughter of a wealthy merchant as he writes Romeo and Juliet. It is filled with allusions to Shakespeare's other plays and it riffs on real historical figures and events as well as like other playwrights of the time. Uh, Christopher Marlowe is like a featured character in it as well. We'll kind of like pull those apart as we like hit specific scenes um but I don't know about you I am a Shakespeare fan I definitely don't know as much as like some people who really nerd out on it but um I really enjoyed all well the,
0: like, and emotions. I know little less I, so <laughs> it's it's all you this time
1: <laughs> do you not have a favorite Shakespeare play
0: um I have I think parts of plays that I really enjoy and really remember like the uh Play Within a Play in Midsummer Night's Dream is a comedic favorite of mine. Um, And individual characters like The Nurse and Romeo and Juliet. Beautiful character. Um,
1: Midsummer is probably my favorite one. Uh, Speaking of plays within a play, this movie is, I think, both an allusion to and then also kind of highlights every now and then some of the like comedy and ridiculousness of that Shakespearean Elizabethan style of play. Um, but it does include a play within a play. It includes gender swapped disguises, uh, mistaken identity, and ghosts, to name a few.
0: Question mark? Ghosts? Ghosts. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> Originally, Julia Roberts was actually attached to it for the part of uh, Viola de Lesip that Gwyneth Paltrow plays. She ended up backing out because she was like insistent that Daniel Day Lewis play Shakespeare and he turned it down. So then she was like, I'm so
0: glad that Daniel Day Lewis did not play Shakespeare in this. Like, he's good, but I don't, I can't see him in this role.
1: I agree. Honestly, I feel like he would have been a better fit for Marlowe.
0: Yeah. I, I, Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't, I'm trying to remember, and I don't think I've really seen him do something as comedic as this.
0: And I don't even know if I would have liked Julia Roberts in this. I think she would have done perfectly well, but there's something about, Gwyneth Paltrow's performance that's just very there's an innocence there but there's enough agency
1: and she's very earnest yeah yeah no I I like her in this as well um although Kate Winslet was also offered the role um and I do think Kate would have been very good but I am very okay with Gwyneth Paltrow I do think she does a very good job
0: I think we have no bad options in this list of people if I'm being honest <laughs> yeah
1: obviously this movie contains historical inaccuracies but um it is like we said very much an homage to that style of theater Shakespeare's works um and i would say like in general i none, none of the historical inaccuracies bother me
0: i it is it is pure entertainment fiction as you put it, a love letter to Shakespeare in general, not the literal person. So I'm not, I have no problems with any of it.
1: (laughs) Controversially, this one over Saving Private Ryan. So I do think we need to like address that a little bit. I do love Saving Private Ryan. I think it's a fantastic film. I also really love Shakespeare in Love. I think it is also a fantastic film. And for me, I'm just kind of like, they're just, they're hard to compare because the vibes of them are so different.
0: Well, and not to steal all of your nomination thunder, but, like, there was also Thin Red Line, which is another war film. I'm pr- pretty sure. I haven't seen it. I'm guessing it's about Vietnam? No, 1942. Okay, never mind. No, World War II. Um, So those were there. I've actually seen Life is Beautiful as well. And I'll be honest, like, I would probably give it to Life is Beautiful over Shakespeare in Love just because it is in a similar way that Schindler's list was super impactful. So for me was life is beautiful. So um, the deal with some similar themes as well. So that could be one reason why, you know, the Academy might have decided that it didn't need quote need to win. But um, yeah, I, I, this to me is very much like a Tom Jones style win where it kind of comes out of nowhere and I'm not mad at it. I'm glad I got to watch it, but I, I struggled to make like a, a really defensible position on why it should have won over the other nominations.
1: Well, I think it was just kind of a strong year, actually. You now, like, looking at the nominations, I have not seen Life is Beautiful, so like it's good that you can speak on that. But also, do you remember the last comedy we covered in a canon episode?
0: Was it, Don't tell me it was Tom Jones.
1: No. Annie Hall in 77.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So
1: it had been a really long time since the comedy won, and I'll be honest, like... I kind of needed just like a good, charming comedy this weekend when I watched it. So I, I wonder if there's an element of that, right, of like we've had some very heavy winners. And like you said, if we have two World War II flicks, um, I haven't seen Thin Red Line, so I can't speak to a quality of that. But like maybe that splits some vote for people who are like really gung-ho on war films. And as mm-hmm. much as I love Saving Private Ryan, I'm okay not having a pad to watch another war film. And especially on the heels of Titanic, which was like a very (laughs) sad love story, even though like this one definitely has a bittersweet ending. It was kind of nice to have something like lighter. Yeah. Um, And then I also do want to speak to, I did see some interesting trivia on Life is Beautiful, so I am really glad you brought that up. So it was the second film to be simultaneously nominated for Best Picture and Best Foreign Language Film. And it received seven nominations, which was the most for any foreign language film at at that time
0: it's really good it is it is not a fun watch but it is so good i like definitely when you're in the right mood
1: (laughs) i i like really want to watch it now now that you said this and after reading stuff because also roberto bernini was the second person to win an acting oscar under their own direction do you remember who the first was I'll give you a hint. I sent it's you a, a text Western, rant about yeah or no. no, I sent you a text rant about them
0: this <gasps> Oh, it's Laurence Olivier, isn't it? Oh my it's God. It's Laurence okay. Olivier
1: for Hamlet. <laughs>
0: Your rant was perfect. You can't be a moody teenager and cast a 50 year old man in that role and have it work. I totally agree. <laughs>
1: it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, another slight controversy. Uh, win-wise with Shakespeare in Love was Gwyneth Paltrow winning over Cate Blanchett, who was the front runner for Best Actress for playing Queen Elizabeth I in the film Elizabeth, which was another nomination for Best Picture that year. Uh, she and Judy Dench actually become... The first two actresses to be nominated for portraying the same character in separate movies in the same year.
0: <laughs> I do love how this this year was very much a theme for the Oscars. It was like, let's do war films or and historical, Elizabethan.
1: <laughs> like... specifically Elizabethan era,
0: because that's literally what it is. It's three war, like World War II related films, and. Wait, is Saving Private Ryan World War II?
1: It's World War II. Yes, okay. Ian. It's World War Sorry. II. It's fam- most just, famous for its D-Day sequence.
0: You know, I am sometimes live under a rock, but then I see things like Life is Beautiful. So I'm just an enigma, and I'm okay with I, this. You are.
1: <laughs> you are an enigma. Um, I am actually very okay with the Paltrow win. I say that not having seen Elizabeth. But I think Gwyneth Paltrow is great in this, and I would also like to ha- remind people she plays both Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. in this film and does great as both
0: yeah i'm I'm not mad at the win
1: um, this got a lot of nominations and wins, so John Madden was nominated for best director, as we mentioned. Gwyneth Paltrow wins best actress Jeffrey Rush was nominated for best Supporting actor. I do think he is absolutely great in this. Um as always, Jeffrey Rush is great in everything. And Judy Dench wins for best supporting actress. So somebody did win for playing Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> it wins for best original screenplay written by Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard. Stoppard actually wrote the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead, which is very famous play and uses two characters from Hamlet, Ian just looked at me kind of blankly.
0: I, I did. So again, <laughs> we're, we're back on the I don't know anything train.
1: <laughs> it's a little bit of an absurdist comedy. Um, it wins for best art direction, uh, which I can see. I do think that at the times the art direction's a little sparse, but also we're dealing with like poor actors in the Elizabethan era.
0: And the, co- I mean, the way that it intersects with costumes, I think is really where it shines so
1: well and sandy powell wins for best
0: costumes perfect yeah love that
1: it was nominated for best cinematography i do think the cinematography is really good but it does lose to saving private ryan for cinematography which i do agree with i could see that um nominated for best editing again i do think the editing's great there's a couple of very key places where like i want to talk about the editing and how it's like so perfectly done um nominated for best makeup Uh, Stephen Warbeck wins for best original score of musical or comedy.
0: Sorry. I was still stuck on the makeup nom and I'm kind of like, but, but what makeup?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like it's there, but people are in stage makeup. Also, you have Ah, the the classic Elizabethan work or look. And remember hair is included in makeup.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I'm seeing this more now
1: um nominated for best sound but again that's another one it loses out to saving private ryan and i think editing also lost to saving private ryan so saving private ryan definitely beats it on some technical stuff which i'm not mad at but i'm also very not mad at these nominations yeah um it is also number 50 on afi's 100 years 100 passions list
0: i'll take that actually i will also take that. you know it it kind of gets uh past my, as I mentioned in last episode, uh complaints around the simplistic Romeo and Juliet style love because it adds so much more depth to a very Romeo and Juliet esque story.
1: I just Ian you're not a romantic. I'm not. Um,
0: but I bought into not. this couple.
1: I it is it is really um I do think that it is great and I do love that like they have the complexity there and it does bring a new level to a very classic play that I think a lot of people want to read too shallowly.
0: I am gonna pretend like that wasn't directed at me, and we can go into watch notes. No, I'm kidding. And it
1: wasn't directed solely at you.
0: That, I just that's know, so much better. I don't know about you,
1: but I know in like lit classes and stuff, it was like really cool to hate on Romeo and Juliet. And it's like,
0: oh no, let me be clear. I don't hate Romeo and Juliet, and I find it to be incredibly entertaining. I just don't buy into the love story (laughs) because I am a cold hearted heart will not go on. (laughs) Well, yeah, that too. Anyway,
1: (laughs) my heart will not go on. (laughs) So Um, not cannot will not. It's a choice. (laughs) Um, Other nominations for that year. Really quickly. We've touched on pretty much all of these, I think. So Elizabeth life is beautiful. Saving private Ryan and the thin red line.
0: Sweet. So
1: let's watch notes.
0: Let's. I, I will
1: caveat, too, I watched this with a couple nice hefty glasses of wine, so I was, like, really feeling it. <laughs> well, I, I already, was... I'd already seen this movie, and I do really like it, so, like...
0: It was a refresher, not, like, the first time through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had actually seen it before, but it had, it's been more than a decade since I had seen it, so it was almost like I was watching it for the first time. So... <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, um, we, we do open with this wonderful torture scene between the financier <laughs> leader and uh, the proprietor of the not Globe Theater. Um, the Rose. The Rose Theater with the boots. This just opening with these like really crazy oblique angles, but like against this comedic backdrop was doing everything for me. I loved this scene.
1: It's, it's great. Jeffrey Rush is great in it. We're immediately setting up kind of the villainous financier. And we're immediately setting up stakes too, right? For like mm-hmm. multiple people of like why Shakespeare needs to finish the goddamn play Romeo and Ethel the Pirate's Daughter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad that they decided to workshop that because that is not I, I would not watch that show. Um, I would
1: absolutely (laughs) watch that show. Are you kidding me?
0: I don't know. Maybe it it depends. Actually, you know, someone should write that just for fun and see what it turns out as.
1: Pirates were like weirdly big at the time.
0: That is fascinating to me. Probably
1: because what was it? It was like Admiral Drake and the Spanish Armada and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think like that had just happened and you have like early privateering and stuff. So it was like pirates were weirdly popular in the elizabethan era theater remember there are literally pirates in hamlet there's like the weird bit where a couple people just get (laughs) randomly kidnapped by pirates
0: (laughs) i guess i also don't live anywhere near any sort of sea anything so like the idea of pirates being able to just like show up at my house and (laughs) kidnap me is kind of uh not in the realm of possibility (laughs) anyway we, we get that wonderful introduction and we get immediately moved to with this wonderful editing and writing piece where it's like oh is what's shakespeare doing undoubtedly fin- finishing the the play um and of course we cut to shakespeare trying to figure out how to write his goddamn name <laughs>
1: <laughs> practicing his signature um that's an allusion to the fact that like they're like with shakespeare plays um the signature isn't always the same and shakespeare is sometimes spelled differently and i know that some people like to point to that as saying like oh one man didn't write all the plays. But I'm sorry, who in, like, high school didn't try and, like, change up their signature or something? Like, you know, I feel like it's kind of funny instead to be like, oh, is there a cooler way to spell my name so that I have this pen name as this playwright?
0: Well, and that really feeds into at least the movie's characterization of him as, like, a kind of mercurial, moody, mysterious, like, writer, tro- like, stereotype Um
1: classic artistic fuck boy
0: uh, yes yes and let's just say and i don't mean anything by this joseph Fiennes has the look for it
1: <laughs> yeah i think his casting is great in this i think he does a great job uh we gotta put him in the deep v that classic artiste deep v
0: oh my goodness and of course the leather jacket like how 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 can we not know that he is a bad boy if he did not have a leather jacket
1: yeah um, I digress. Again, cost, but costuming doing some good work there. So I, good. I do think that's great. Um, we also, in that Jeffrey, I think it's it's maybe when Jeffrey Rush's character is speaking to Shakespeare, but you get him telling him that they need a bit with a dog, which comes back. like That's just one of those things that constantly comes back and is an allusion to the fact that, once again, in Elizabethan theater, weirdly popular to just have a random dog in there. Although, let's be honest... Who doesn't love the dog best in a movie?
0: I mean, that you never kill the dog unless you really want people to hate the character that did the killing. So, like, I, yeah.
1: Yeah, old yeller.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I agree.
1: I also do want to highlight something with the dialogue here. Because as we get further into it, we'll start using a lot of, like, actual quotes from Romeo and Juliet. Not only with, like, the rehearsals, but in other parts to or like paraphrasing of lines from the play, as well as getting quotes from like some Marlowe plays. Uh, Shakespeare quotes Faustus at some point, um, as do many people <laughs> in their auditions. Uh, but I do think that the writing strikes a nice balance between sounding Elizabethan and old fashioned to a modern ear, but still being understandable.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm trying to think of exact examples but really for me it's summed up as the kind of yoda way of speaking like the word order is what changes but it is done subtly enough and plainly enough that i didn't have issues
1: yeah i think that's uh something that can be very tough especially the further you go back in a period piece Mm mm-hmm
0: But I will say in this as well, I love their setup of kind of the nastiness of London when you have the scenes of folks just running through the streets and just like chamber pots being emptied behind their back and missing them by inches. I just I'm so glad that I was not alive in the 16th century.
1: (laughs) I know Uh, the actor's life. It was not glamorous back in the day. Um, I think they do a really, really fun job of like showing that and also kind of like laughing at it too about just like how unglamorous it was in the day-to-day to like be a playwright especially if you weren't the premier one at the time and like to be an actor and i also love the joke around aphrodite i,
0: I just love how she is known to do whatever behind wherever like i, I couldn't catch that full line but it's even his uh pseudo therapist
1: <laughs> I love the therapist mentions yeah.
0: that. Well, and that's a perfect example of like giving a more modern construct for us to like latch on to with him literally on like a fainting couch like talking about his problems to a timer. That the fact they included the timer was just so funny to me.
1: <laughs> the hourglass. Um but yeah, he's you know talking about like he's lost his muse and that's the bit where he's like he's like my muse is is Aphrodite meaning like the Greek goddess of love and then you have someone being like Oh, Aphrodite so-and-so who does whatever behind the... He's like, no, no, no. Like, that's... And she comes up. I just thought that was, like, a funny joke and, like, a good example of the types of, like, verbal wordplay Mm -hmm. you get in this movie. But we do, with the psychiatrist, establish that Shakespeare has lost his muse. He's given the bracelet that he's going to give to Rosaline, who is, of course the person at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, who Romeo is like infatuated with.
0: I love this so much. And I love that he, not he, sorry, she is uh, what, married to Hens- Henslow, I believe?
1: No, she's like, I think she's seeing Burbage. She seems to be seeing- It's
0: Burbage, you're right. People. Sorry, I, I'm getting the names all mixed up. But like, she's essentially like married and or, I forget the way she puts it, but when she and Shakespeare meet up for the, the first time at the- palace during this performance of his play she's like you know i might belong to burbage but my heart belongs to you and, and so <laughs> i'm like yeah you're 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 running into some dangerous territory there mr shakespeare
1: i everyone like all of the actors and so much of the like noble characters in this movie are so dramatic and i love it it reminds me a little bit of all about eve
0: Yeah. How,
1: like, you have these, like, actors and writers who are so just, like, over the top with, like, everything and, like, um, their witty phrasing and every emotion is felt, like, ten times stronger. So I love that that's the case in this. But then you also have just, like, the common people every now and then who are, like, just normal and even keel. And it does this, like, wonderful highlighting of, like the ridiculousness of the heightened emotion but because all the actors are playing it so straight and earnestly you do buy in
0: mm-hmm. so that does lead us to our first introduction of viola which i always want to say Vi- viola because it's spelled the same way um but during the play we get to yeah, see but, her and she's
1: a main character under like viola players in the orchestra you know i
0: bet she would burn just as well in a bonfire <laughs>
1: I'll stop with the orchestra.
0: (laughs) Let me be clear. That was a reference to the viola joke about burning longer in the apocalypse. But I just have to make sure people know that I am not advocating for burning Gwyneth Paltrow at the stake.
1: (laughs) No one is. And also it works out better if you burn the violas first because people will miss them less.
0: I don't know. Some people might have to throw themselves on the fire in we sorrow. Have
1: to, we have to stop making... I'm so sorry. That's okay. like such a okay, niche joke and we make it every time. Every
0: time. Okay, so back to the queen. I love her sense of humor in this. Well, one, costuming, amazing. And I do agree with the makeup piece, like on point for this introduction to Judy Dench's Elizabeth I. She also laughs at the basest of things. And I love that about her.
1: Well, and then it's such a great, like her and then the rest of the audience, like obviously they're laughing at the dog. They're laughing at like the most base stupid jokes because, you know, I think a lot of time in modern times we're like, oh, Shakespeare. But like Shakespeare was written for multiple levels of humor um, and a lot of them were performed for common crowds, not just nobility. So like there are always levels to it. Um, But I think this is a great introduction to Viola because it sets her apart from the rest of the crowd. And we get this immediate understanding of her as like a pure romantic Mm -hmm. because she's not laughing at the stupid joke. She is enraptured during the like love monologue that one of the characters is giving while everyone else is uninterested. The queen looks like she's about to fall asleep. But we zoom in on Viola who is enraptured mouthing every single word along with the actor who's giving the monologue. She's in it. And then we cut to like getting to learn more about her, talking to her nurse, um, which I love their relationship. And we will talk about how the nurse is the greatest wing woman in the history of wing womanship.
0: Oh my God. And Imelda Staunton is just, Oh, I love her in this. She plays. Well, I, I was lucky enough to recently have seen Romeo and Juliet done by like a Shakespeare company here in Atlanta and it was hilarious so great and that like increased my appreciation of like the comedic aspects of this and you kind of see it playing into that and with the nurse perfect example and you get that echoed in the like play within a play production where they're talking about how this pirate king is now the nurse and that's funny and it was
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no i the parallels between like what is happening versus the play And the way that they feed into each other and, like, the editing really highlights it is... It's hard to describe accurately just, like, how good it is, but Mm -hmm. it's so well done. Um, But we that's where we learned that, like, Viola is being betrothed to Earl of Wessex, played by Colin Firth. Poor Colin Firth. He just cannot get the girl in the 90s.
0: I will say, though, he he toes that line so well with this character where he plays a
1: good villain. I,
0: right. And it's like, he's just slimy enough.
1: Oh yeah. Like we hate Wessex and we can tell that like, this is not going to be a good life for Viola mm-hmm. to marry him, which I think makes you understand her like whirlwind romance with Shakespeare. Like that's her, her last hurrah before she marries fucking Wessex.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Also just would like to say, hate viola's parents and like i understand that like at that time at that level like you know of wealth and standing in society it's like i will i'm a merchant i'm gonna marry my daughter off to this broke noble so then like my grandchildren will have wealth and a title but you've established that the broke noble lost all of his own money and is bad at handling money so why would you Give him your money and your child to just go lose it all.
0: Because they need to have the additional old money standing. It's the same reason that Rose's mother was like, "You gotta go marry this atrocious businessman."
1: But they don't need. They've got the money. Uh, this is this but they is need also. The name I feel like, now
0: it's the opposite problem.
1: <laughs> I think this is me being a stereotypical American and being like nobility titles. <laughs>
0: I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I can understand if you cared about that, why you would do it.
1: (laughs) And it's not so much. It's just the fact that it's like he's just going to lose all your money now. You know, that's the part that gets me is it's not like it's a broke noble who inherited a broke title and is like, I am actually going to be responsible and rebuild this historic. You know, like it's a guy who's just the worst. He really is. Anyway, sorry. That's my little <laughs> spiel on that. I hate her parents. Um, and I hate Wessex, but I think Colin Firth does a great job of playing a good villain.
0: Really does. So the the last thing kind of in this sequence that I do really want to um, highlight here is we get the introduction of the idea that in theater, if you do nothing, it will just work out. How do we know? We don't. It just does.
1: It's a mystery. No, no, no. I, specifically, the like that set of lines is so good because it's almost always delivered by Jeffrey Rush until the mm-hmm. last time. But he's always like, it'll work out. And someone goes, how? And he goes, I don't know. It's a mystery. And yet it always does work out.
0: The theater immediately got reopened because of the plagues. Well, in spite of the plague, I should say.
1: Yes,
0: in spite. <laughs> um. So anyway, I think next main sequence I, I'd love to delve into is the auditions for the actual play.
1: Yes, uh, again, the editing doing... A brilliant job with this um you have again they're just open auditions because the normal group of like actors that they would like professional actors they would use are touring so it's open to everyone including the stuttering taylor who wants to be an actor
0: okay his arc is so great i love his arc
1: yes i want to highlight that because it leads to my absolute favorite moment in the entire film and one of my favorite moments in all of cinema. Um, But everyone is doing the monologue from Marlowe's Dr. Faustus.
0: Which is a a quick aside. We did get a scene with some verbal sparring and like one upmanship at a bar with Marlowe and Shakespeare. So they're setting up this kind of rivalry that really grates on Shakespeare.
1: Yeah, but it's also like Marlowe's good at his job and also pretty nice because he, he's the one who uh, kind of gives the f- original idea to Shakespeare of like Romeo's Italian and mm-hmm. he's, you know, a sucker for love uh, and Ethel is the daughter of his greatest enemy. So he's kind of like setting that that stage there. A setup
0: of uh, Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Yeah, and you
1: have the... I think he says something at some point, and you have the recurrence of the... It's a good name line from Shakespeare with like people naming characters. Um, But it does great on Shakespeare. And then you have... And I love the decision to keep the camera on Shakespeare splayed on one of the benches of the theater, not looking at the stage when this happens. And you just hear a voice. And... The voice starts to give a monologue from two gentlemen of Verona, which was the play that was being done for Elizabeth earlier on.
0: But the way that she says it, she's like, I'm going to give a monologue from a beautiful I I needed I should have written down the quote, but it was essentially like one of the best playwrights of our time that is inspiring and all of this like very complimentary stuff. So Shakespeare and you think she's going to go into not Shakespeare. and yeah. then she does.
1: And it's great, and you know she's on the stage. She's that classic dressed as a boy, and she's got her hair under the cap. So, like, obviously, no one recognizes her.
0: I mean, to to Viola's credit, she does have a very decent looking fake mustache.
1: She's not wearing it in the first one, though. Oh, I thought audition. she was not in the audition. Oh, um, no, in the audition, she's just in. I'm gonna like men's slash boys' clothes, and she's got her hair tucked up under a cap. Mm. She gets the fake like mustache and like the wig in order to actually be in the play. Okay. Uh, but you have the great scene of Shakespeare standing up immediately being like, who are you? Also, Gwyneth Paltrow killing the delivery of the monologue, she does a great job with Shakespearean language and monologues, and she has to give a lot of them. So you have Shakespeare jumping up being like, stop, who are you? Viola of course runs. Cause she was not expecting this.
0: And the camera work and the soundtrack, great throughout this entire thing. I also, Gwyneth Paltrow's physicality as she runs away, she does not run. She minces. And it is so funny to watch. But they end up on the Thames in like these water taxis. And for whatever reason, Shakespeare has the audacity to continue on to this noble estate following her as she runs away.
1: And luckily for everyone, nurse is the one who answers the door. And so she's like, oh, yeah, that was my nephew, Thomas Kent. Um, And Shakespeare leaves the note with the nurse to be like, I want you to play my Romeo.
0: Oh, I love that. Again, the audacity to, like, go after Thomas Kent.
1: He is an artiste, Ian. The play must go on. He needs his Romeo.
0: Well, he also... Has the audacity to crash their ball that evening?
1: <laughs> okay, but how Romeo and Juliet of him?
0: It really is like I, I agree. I agree.
1: But this is where he falls in love at first sight with Viola.
0: And I'm going to be honest. I thought I don't know why I thought he knew they were the same person. I no, shouldn't at this point, have thought he that.
1: He has no idea.
0: But I did think that, and I'm, <laughs> anyway.
1: But so, I mean, you know, like, of course not. She was wearing a hat and pants. Ladies do not wear hats and pants.
0: You know, maybe he just has aphasia and can't remember faces. So I don't think he ever—he
1: never got that close to Thomas Kent the first time to really. Uh, it's true.
0: Very see him. from afar. So. Okay. But in the scene, I, I do love how, and it comes back in the writing a couple times how they distance or play off the stereotype of again, the nobles being cultured and like proper and all of this versus the like theater troupe. And like when they're the way that Wessex is talking with Viola's father about her and about her stubbornness and about like, Oh, is she fertile? And like all of this really plain, na- like arguably nasty language. About it's gross.
1: Her. It's um, really gross.
0: It's is such a contrast to kind of the views and writings of love that you get out of Shakespeare. So I think that was a really fun decision from the writer's perspective to characterize them that way.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that that's that's I hadn't thought too much about that, but I, I think that's such a good point. Um, also, you know, it doesn't hurt for us to hate Wessex more really and to dislike Viola's family more um because it makes us cheer on her affair with shakespeare we also very importantly get the bit where wessex confronts shakespeare holds a knife to his throat and is like who the hell are you and shakespeare says christopher marlowe
0: that i thought that was at this point in the film such a fun answer (laughs) because it's like gets him off scot-free sort of um But I I would say, too, there were some other fun little quips where uh, Wessex talks to Violence like, I've spoken to your father. And she's like, I have so my lord. I speak with him every day. Exactly. (laughs) It's just these funny, funny, funny one liners. Um, She's just
1: like Wessex can't keep up with her. Like she's smarter than he is. she's nicer than he is. She, She has like a greater understanding of like love and beauty in the world than he does. Like they're clearly a terrible match
0: horrible but her, remember her saddlebags are filled with rubies uh, according to her father so uh anyway she should
1: take one of those saddlebags <laughs> full of rubies and whack wessex over the head with it
0: <laughs> um so we do roll into the balcony scene
1: this scene it is like lit and staged very reminiscent of zeffirelli's romeo and Juliet from mm-hmm. i think the late 60s um I love that they play this like clearly riff and homage to the classic balcony scene of Romeo and Juliet but they play it for so much comedy. I mean, you even have the bit with like the nurse calling to Juliet and her being like
0: "Anon, dear nurse, anon." anon. anon.
1: But then you have Shakespeare scaling the balcony and what we expect to be like you know, like in the play where it's this like whole thing and they have their first kiss and instead the nurses happen to walk out on the balcony and they come up face to face and both scream and then he <laughs> falls.
0: Well, and even the physicality around running up toward the the building so that you can't be seen from the balcony and back and forth and that, that kind of build of, I'm going to call it comedic tension.
1: Yeah, they subvert the expectation because everyone's familiar with the Balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. So taking that and then completely subverting it for comedy is great.
0: So great. So great. So we have Shakespeare's muse and we get a little bit of a montage of him writing the initial bits of Romeo and Juliet. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: We get bits of the rehearsal. um, Not as much as we do... Later, I think. Right. Perfect. Get...
0: Yeah. This one's pretty light. This is more of like a kickoff sort of thing is how I think about it. Cause all of these people are recast and kind of like I mentioned that I was a pirate King. Now I'm a nurse. That's funny. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and then we have um, the, uh, what was it? It's like the ad, the admiral's players or are...
0: Yeah. Ned, Ned, Ned. What's Ned his face? Allen. Um, but that I was getting heavy, getting the band back back together vibes when they entered the theater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love Ned Allen. As I said, I think Ben Affleck is doing great in this. He's chewing all the scenery. He's so over the top, but you're like, yeah, this is the Elizabethan Age's premier actor right here. <laughs> He's so full of it. He confronts the the, the money guy, Mr. Was it Mr. Finneman? I think so. Who has been like a bit of a stickler up until this point, being like You know, we are promised a comedy, it better make its money back, all of this stuff. He's the guy who was originally dipping Jeffrey Rush's boots in the fire. Ned, like, tears him to shreds in the most dramatic way possible. And he agrees to be in the play to play Mercutio, only when he is told that the title of the play is Mercutio.
0: (laughs) The drama.
1: But that's going to lead to a very sweet moment later.
0: It really is. And one of another, one of my favorite lines. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so this is when we oh. really kick off. Actually, there's one bit before this, before we really kick off the rehearsal stuff, but we're kind of introduced to the main players. We're introduced to Ned. We're introduced to Sam, who's going to be playing Juliet. Because I just want to point that out because Sam comes back up at the end. Uh, oh,
0: yes. Very important. Sam. Well, and there was this very direct uh, allusion to whether his voice was changing yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's Because, of course... I don't know if we've mentioned this, but like back in the day, like women weren't allowed on stage.
0: Yeah. So you had to have, you know, like pre-pubescent boys play women often so that you got the high-pitched voice and everything. And so we also get a little bit more of the solidifying of Wessex's, you know, extension of his hand in marriage. So I love that the... Nurse is covering for Viola as she's at rehearsal. But the line, I love this. It's, two hours of praying is not piety. It's self-indulgence. And <laughs> could not agree more.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I Nurse, my God. Again, wingwoman of the century. She, oh.
0: <laughs> but we have set up uh, now the fact that apparently Wessex's must request permission from the Queen to have to like before they agree to a marriage. Um, yeah,
1: so Viola will have to be approved by the queen. Um also we do get that lovely bit of comedy where she uh Viola's come back from rehearsal and she's in her dress but still has the Thomas Kent mustache and little beard on and nurse just runs by and like rips it off her face.
0: Amazing. <laughs> so we get a, a, again more development, more practice of this like relationship i guess i don't know he um shakespeare doesn't understand that thomas kent is viola yet but that comes to a head in the thames in a water taxi
1: i love the scene i think this is a great reveal so it's like night on the thames they're in the water taxi will has given this letter to thomas for viola and his you know, describing his feelings for her. Um, I had this note, and then Viola says almost the exact same thing like, a moment <laughs> after I wrote it, and that is Will isn't actually in love with Viola, but the idea of her, which she basically says to him as Thomas Kent. And then lots of poetry is said. There's a back and forth. They get to the dock, and Viola, as Thomas Kent, kisses him and then breaks away and runs off the dock. There's like the moment where Shakespeare is like almost confused and they've been like so dramatic and earnest and like in their emotions during this whole scene. And then I love that you just have the guy rowing the boat who's like, oh yeah, that was Lady Viola. I've worked at this house since like she was a kid. I could recognize her anywhere. Basically is like, yeah, that's a shit disguise.
0: <laughs> well, and then whips out his own writing and was like, hey, can you look at this for me? Like- yes. <laughs>
1: I just, that moment's so funny.
0: It really is. This
1: movie is so good. It's setting up these just really intense emotional scenes and then just ending them on like the perfect comedic
0: (laughs) beat. Now, I do want to, I didn't, it slipped to my mind until I got to the point in my notes too. I do want to point out how they contrast Wessex and Shakespeare even more with like some specific language there. Because in that previous discussion with Wessex that we mentioned, She's like, what What did you first notice about me? And he doesn't have an answer. He's like, your eyes, no, your lips, no. It, very and then, he, and then he kisses her
1: and she slaps him. I, yeah, yeah, it's very, you can tell that Wessex is like, what does she want me to say? And then mm-hmm. delivers it poorly.
0: But then when Thomas Kent asks about viola's eyes and lips shakespeare just expounds with this again flowery poetry as you mentioned and so it's it's hammering home their like vast differences so like i I don't think we've said it in so many words but the writing again super tight super well thought out
1: and even the bits of shakespeare that aren't direct shakespearean quotes were like but like his dialogue sounds right Mm -hmm. um so yeah i big big props to the writing because that's not easy to pull off
0: no 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 i agree so that leads of course to shakespeare chasing after thomas kent slash now we know it's viola and he like what goes all the way up through the balcony into her room and is like i'm here i i know who you are now (laughs)
1: I okay this is some of my favorite nurse bits okay (laughs) this
0: scene with her in the rocker on the landing is astoundingly good
1: (laughs) so funny because obviously like uh Viola and Shakespeare start like hooking up and you can like cutting between them and the nurse who arrives outside the door and can like hear something going on and she like pulls up this rocking chair Straight in front of the door, so like if anyone wants to get in that room, they got to get past her. But you can see her panic because she knows what's going on, she knows what's going on in the room. (laughs) But like, by god, is she loyal to Viola? And so, like, you have the bit where the maid comes up with a tray of food, and you can start to hear through the door the bed creaking. And so, Nurse just starts rocking furiously in the rock so violently,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and she has her little fan to try and like you know get rid of the vapors as it were (laughs) because
1: she's having a meltdown as she's like trying to hold it together and like look composed it's so funny
0: and the morning after it continues to be just they, they have this really sweet romantic like in bed moment oh sorry i forgot to mention they do like have a very sweet like, love scene where he takes off her binder and she twirls, and it's very sweet. Yeah, they have they're, really good chemistry. Scene,
1: their scenes together, like, great chemistry with the actors. Their scenes together are, I think, very sweet, like, well written, well shot. Um, the conversation in the morning, I believe that's the one that is reminiscent of the lark and, S- like, the was mm-hmm. it the lark or the nightingale? That's like a very famous line from Ro- Romeo and Juliet. It's I think like, with their no, conversation. It's the
0: owl or, uh, that, yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah. we we get to see, like, how that inspires the play. Like, ah, because we're hitting this section that we're going to be cutting back and forth between Viola and Will together and her either reading bits that he's written or them having conversations and saying things to one another that we're going to see become part of the play intercut with rehearsals of the play. And, like, the editing here doing the most, how you'll like have the line with Will and Mm -hmm. Viola, and then you'll have her saying the line as Thomas Kent, as Romeo in the rehearsal. And again, just want to highlight Gwyneth Paltrow here. Like she plays a great Romeo.
0: Oh yeah. And the the believability of this kind of uh, clandestine affair that you get in some of these scenes where it's like Romeo is on stage, but has one hand backstage as Shakespeare is kissing it. And then it, it, it that was one of the like huge cinematography and editing riffs that I it really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, it's great. And then also, we're getting to know like our supporting players a little bit more through all of this. And I love how like, as the rehearsals progress and we're getting to see more and more of the play and we're moving further and further through like Romeo and Juliet's story, you start to see everyone getting sucked in. and invested and kind of you start to get this air of everyone being like oh this is special including mr finneman yes there's the bit where he throws jeffrey rush out when jeffrey rush is like where's the dog (laughs) where's the comedy he's like get out of here
0: mr henslow cannot keep up at all with what is actually going on he is such a bumbling idiot
1: no, but I love it. I love how many characters, even the smallest ones, have just really beautiful arcs in this. Because you, mm-hmm. at some point in this, you get the scene between Ned and Shakespeare. Because you've had little bits where Ned is like, where is Mercutio? He's the title character, and we're 20 pages in. Or he's like, I don't appear for another like 40 pages. He's being a
0: full-on prima donna, which we knew he was going to.
1: <laughs> and Shakespeare being like, and you duel with Tybalt, and you die in this beautiful monologue. And he's like, wait, Mercutio dies? So we have all of that that's happened, but then kind of in the middle of this montage, we get him coming to see Will, and in a very like sweet, real moment, being like, I, I think the title needs work. Romeo and Juliet, like just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really sweet moment. And then, of course, it ends with him leaving, and Will's like, Thank you. And he's like, You're you a gentleman.
0: <laughs> you no, know, that was one of my favorite insults. It's you're a, what was it, a, a Warwickshire shithouse?
1: Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I, basically, I
0: think you're a cesspool.
1: <laughs> but I, I love that everyone has their little arcs in this, and mm-hmm. they're they're delightfully done.
0: But unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and we very rapidly are approaching the end of this two week period. Their uh, stolen where, season. Yes, it is so sad, and again, now the river shall divide us because. Wessex is going to come back and actually marry Viola now. So like all of this like whirlwind affair which has been sweet and so good for everyone involved is going to have to end. Now, the the getting ready to go to the queen, I that whole scene where Wessex is like on, f- fired up, ready to see Viola. Love how they play with timing in this because we see Shakespeare and Viola like in bed having this really serious conversation, um, well, not in bed, in her room, but having a serious conversation about like what is going to happen is this goodbye, all of that fun stuff. Um, and so you're thinking that Shakespeare's going to get found out. But all of a sudden, Viola, fully dressed, ready for the queen, pops up. And
1: I also just want to highlight, and again, like what a good job Colin Firth does in this and how good the writing is on like Wessex as a villain. His interactions with Like, the nurse are, like, full villain. And then the way he tries to, like, cover it up in front of Viola until they're married. It's, like, yeah, it's very sinister.
0: It is. But fortunately, we get Will Shakespeare dressed as a nurse uh, for such comedic relief.
1: Classic. (laughs) Classic Elizabethan theater bit.
0: Remember, all it takes is uh, not well, I, w- I almost said a nun's habit, but a nurse's habit? I don't yeah. know what you would call that.
1: <laughs> if you can't see their hair and they're wearing the clothes that you would expect them not to be wearing based on their gender, then like, who is this?
0: I, I don't know. Do you?
1: No,
0: obviously <laughs> not, <Okay>. Ian. <laughs> now, visiting the queen, that whole scene was glorious so first the confrontation between um wessex and disguised will was like really interesting um because we do set up this Marlowe character as being the one who is the other man that viola is seeing and the line about how he had a lovely waistcoat but shame about the poetry is oh just oh my god I you had to get wrote... that dig in you had to
1: <laughs> i wrote that line down too because what uh wessex asks is like is there a man who comes by the house like He's a poet. I met him there one time. And she goes, oh, yes, Christopher Marlowe, lovely waistcoat. Shame about the poetry. (laughs) I just, I love that line. I laughed out loud.
0: And it continues with Judy Dench's performance as the queen in this. So she suffers no fools and takes Wessex down two or three or four pegs very publicly, which I love so much.
1: I, yeah. Oh, she's, she's got wit and smarts. And is also terrifying.
0: Oh my god! Right, like she walks up afterwards and is like, "You should marry. You, you could. You can have her if you want, but you're a fool."
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but this is where we have the wager, um, because Viola scandalously disagrees in like you know very chill discourse with the queen um,
0: about the nature of love.
1: Well, by saying that, like plays can show, like, the true nature of love and stuff, because you have the queen saying, like, um, you know, what do you like about plays, and Viola's like, oh, I love, like, the romance, and she's like, oh, plays don't show what love really is, Um, which I think is particularly interesting if you know a little bit of, like, the history of, of Elizabeth I and, like, who she was rumored to, like, be in love with and have affairs with um, in her court, like, the idea that, like, oh, love works out happily, like you could see where that would make her kind of be like, very
0: you know, like, foreign to her.
1: Yeah. Um, and where something like Romeo and Juliet would be more appealing, as we find out later. But you have Viola kind of speaking up and being like, oh, but they can, and then correcting herself and being like, well, they haven't yet, but I but I believe that like there is a playwright out there who can do it. Um, of course, speaking about Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet. So that's when Wessex is like oh i would wager 50 pounds that like no one could do that and the queen's like okay we got a wager here that she will hold him to and again Love i it. just want to talk about like how he supposedly broke and he's out here wagering 50 pounds on nonsense sir get your act together
0: well i mean now i think we know how he lost all his money by making vibe killing wagers like
1: <laughs> you're right he is such a vibe killer so, not only did he murder Marlowe, Marlo, he murdered the vibe.
0: He really did. So, m- moving past this scene, we have a confrontation among the theater troops.
1: <laughs> the two houses of our movie, both alike in indignity, frankly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is perfect. But it's the Henslow's and the Burbages. And it's a great
1: sword fight like it's it's shot well it's really fun there's like wonderful comedic moments of Henslow being like my set pieces
0: and even the lead up to it where Burbage is literally like having sex with uh, Rosaline yeah. while Marlowe is in it was it Marlowe who came to see him it is
1: Marlowe who comes in and is yeah. like oh yeah you still owe me money for that play you like, get you're the pages getting, when i
0: get the money <laughs>
1: yeah which uh the play he talks about because he tells Will earlier that he's working on i think it's a paris massacre which is an unfinished Marlowe play
0: oh that is a fun nod i mean yeah. fun fun to the history side not fun that he died but no. um Anyway, they're just going at it at the same time, and I'm like, "What? What is going on here? This is unhinged." Um, but it comes out because of a bracelet that uh, Will got from his therapy type person and his, put his name his therapist in. Therapist
1: who's also like a witch.
0: Okay, the fact that there were 17 signs out of this person's establishment of all the different services provided was all you need to know about the type of person his not-therapist was. But,
1: like, I mean, what what is magic but science that is yet to be explained? Um, but I, Oh,
0: that's so poetic.
1: Thank you. I was watching a lot of Shakespeare recently. <laughs> but I, I love the idea of, like, just throwing it back to the psychiatrist, but, like, the idea of modern-day doctors but like back in the day like it really was a mixture of like science and witchcraft it yeah that was medicine we don't know what's going on so do this thing and we'll hope
0: you know i'm terrified to understand in the future things that we're doing today that are just insane like i'm scared to know oh yeah but in my lifetime, I'll probably know something <laughs>
1: you might
0: <laughs> like barbiturates, maybe no. Um, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> bad call on that one, you guys. Bad call.
0: <laughs> um, anyway, we it comes out that Will also has been having an affair with Rosaline, who earlier we had Rosaline is her own woman and she gets what she wants. I'll, I'll leave it that, at that. Um, but it makes Burbage really unhappy, and that is so why that's why we get a fighting. duel
1: and we get a classic Elizabethan theater sword fight. It's a delight, which is really pure dumb.
0: delight and chaos.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fun sword fight, it's a really fun sequence. You have uh, Will hiding Viola, aka Thomas Kent. We should just refer to her when she's in Viola clothes as Viola, and then Thomas Kent when she's in Thomas Kent clothes her two or <laughs> yeah or um, thomas
0: lejessips or whatever
1: <laughs> delessips delessips that um, one but like hiding her under the stage yeah it's it's a funny funny little sequence
0: and it does end up with them at a bar slash brothel i it, i got yeah. bar vibes not brothel vibes but oh, honestly it's it probably one in the it's same
1: definitely a brothel <laughs> <laughs> it is not subtle
0: but I love how that is how this fight ends up. Is like, eh, we're done. Let's go drink and engage in other activities. <laughs>
1: Everyone's bonded. Um, this is where Viola finds out that Will has a wife.
0: And that Marlo is dead.
1: And that this, Yeah. Uh, well, when she runs out, then someone comes in as Will's trying to go after her. And you find out that Marlo is dead. Will feels extremely guilty because his first conclusion is Wessex killed Marlo thinking it was me. Um, and I will say that Christopher Marlowe died somewhat mysteriously. There's Ned has a line later that was like the accepted story at the time of like it was a barroom brawl, um, but like from my very light reading on the matter, that is like some in some ways a little contested, and so there are like other theories of what have, what may have happened. So anyway, I like them using that little like historical pseudo mystery to like work into this plot. There's like one other thing. Oh, this the bar scene's also where will in order to shut fineman up at one point offers him the part of the apothecary oh
0: i love this arc for fineman he do takes too. this so seriously and he has like three lines
1: and he's got the cap that he has seen just such an apothecary wear he
0: he has in his own mind, such big main character energy. But like he also does <laughs> a,
1: he does such a great job because um we at one point we see him multiple points like nervously rehearsing his like three lines that he has, but he does a great job in the actual show, and I love that for him. He does. Um we have Will praying in the church, and then we also have Viola on her way to church with nurse, Wessex being like oh, yes, are you also going to pray for that poet who died being, like, all smug and smarmy? And, of course, Viola assumes it's Will.
0: The dramatic irony in that whole scene with the lack of names is perfect.
1: Okay, my note on that, though, is, like, Viola, girl, you got to have a better poker face.
0: I mean, if she's going to try and make a go of a marriage for familial ties, not love, like, you, you... be a little more cunning please you're smart enough for it
1: here's why you need to have a better poker (laughs) face because Wessex clearly is doing it to make her upset yeah he's clearly telling her to make her upset don't let him see you cry don't let him have the satisfaction she
0: does cry though I agree with you yeah
1: yeah she's not as spiteful and petty as we are but
0: well you know she'll learn Um, learn. she's young still Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) she'll get old and bitter
0: I lack like I'm ancient and bitter and I'm only a little bit of both of those
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think technically we're both still young, but we have the souls of bitter old, eighty-year-olds. <laughs> I'm um, gonna blame
0: COVID. So anyway, <laughs> they make it to the church, and I think this is hilarious. Shakespeare is there, and of course, uh, Wessex thinks that it's a ghost. Like this is such a Hamlet. Like
1: oh, it's Hamlet. It's. Mac- death it's such a shakespearean tragedy <laughs> element but of course he freaks out and is running from the church and everyone's like what is this insane dude doing violacy's will is obviously like crazy relieved that it's not him who mm-hmm. died
0: and they have such a sweet scene by the riverside just you know I, I interpreted that as basically professing their like real love for one another and i was in so the, the yeah I, I don't know you say I'm not a romantic, but, like, all of this development that we have seen and this connection over some really, I, I I don't think weighty stuff, but, like, really fulfilling playwriting and, like, creating something together. I don't know. It's just, it's so much more believable to me.
1: No, like, well, one, it's a good movie. And oh, two, yeah. <laughs> I think, like, the actors have good chemistry. And because of, like, the writing and the setup, like, I agree. Like, I think they're a very believable couple and that you really do like believe their love for one another but like that scene is very poignant because like they are confessing their like real love for one another but also fully recognizing that like i will always love you but like this does not work out yeah oh and that's where we have kind of the turn in the tone of the play because in the rehearsals we were seeing like the balcony scene we were seeing all of the like falling in love and now we're going to start to see the tragedy part of it. Yeah,
0: and I mean, it, it starts kind of with Wessex storming into a rehearsal and battling.
1: We get another great sword fight,
0: and this one was real, like really touch and go. I it I appreciated how often the like kind of powers flopped between the two, and then of course that the end where they have the reveal of a woman on the stage. But even that was still done comedically. <laughs> yes,
1: well, and I, I want to point out, like, the, t- the use of comedy to also build tension in that sword fight. Because you have the bit where Shakespeare gets Wessex, but it's a stage sword. Yeah. <laughs> and it's bindy.
0: Well, and he even brings out the, like, jingle bell, like, prop thing. Like, it, it, it is still really funny.
1: It's funny, but also, like, it's so tense. But, yeah, you you have the, the reveal of, like, there was a woman on this stage. So, like, and again would have been illegal at the time. Um, you have whoever it is who regulated the theaters and decided when they were opened and closed shows up. You have the kid who we hadn't mentioned who <laughs> plays with the rats and is like kind of unsettling in his love of violence okay, and gore. So
0: he was introduced earlier feeding rats to cats or mice to cats. And I'm like, how?
1: He auditioned he- at one point too. So the character- okay. The character is named after John Webster, who was a playwright in the Jacobian or Jacobean era, or like kind of right after Marlowe um, prefer Jacobine, Marlo and Shakespeare.
0: But uh, that's me. <laughs> the Jacobean. <laughs>
1: um, but like right after like Shakespeare and Marlowe and stuff, um, who was known for like his quote unquote blood and gore plays. Mm, okay. So that's like another I, this, is, this is great little illusion. Um but yeah, that kid uh <laughs> pardon the pun, rats them out. <laughs> uh, and I do love the moment where they're like, Tony, who's the guy who opens and shuts the theaters, is like, how indecent to have a woman on stage and goes over to Sam, who is very clearly
0: not a, a male actor <laughs> <Yeah>. in dress, <drag. laughs> <laughs> Lifts <they> the just- <laughs> skirt. And everybody's like, okay, and?
1: <laughs> and then you have the kid put the rat down uh, Viola's, like, the, the collar of her thing, and so she, uh, like, understandably freaks out and her hat comes off, which I think is so funny because, like, there is the joke in that style of play of it's like, oh, the hat comes off and then you realize <laughs> it's a woman. Um, but, yeah. I guess her wig comes off, whatever. Yeah. They, they, they realize that it's Viola. She apologizes to everyone. I love the moment between her and, like, the stuttering Taylor where he tells her, like, You were brilliant.
0: Mm -hmm. It's such a sweet like ending to that. It's like, oh, you did deserve to be there.
1: And everyone in the troupe like really respects her and everything. Mm -hmm. And I I do love the moment where like Tildy's like a woman on stage. How dare. And I'm like, yeah. And she was the best fucking actor in that production. Mm -hmm. When you exclude 50% of the population, you lose out on a lot of talent.
0: A lot of brain power, A lot. But I, I do very much appreciate how Burbage saves the day with this. He's basically like, you know what, I will host this play, and we will find ourselves a Romeo.
1: Gentlemen, (laughs) the curtain is yours. Cut to the side of the curtain theater.
0: Uh Uh-huh. That that was a fun little play on words that I wasn't fully prepared for until I saw it. And uh, the way that they panned down the, the playbill was also great. It's like, you would think she, if Romeo and Juliet would be at the top, but it's like all of these names of everybody involved. And then, of course, you have to have the financier as the apothecary at the very yeah. end.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> it's great. Now, I do want to say we did see the, the playbills just like flying about. So that will come back shortly.
1: Uh, because we cut to violin wessex's wedding
0: well the end of it slash before it with all the formalities of the the money exchanging hands and the 50 gold pieces or 50 pounds that he needs to to settle his accounts
1: of the docks which once again i just you know what my rant earlier still stands um but yeah we have established that he has lands in virginia which technically wouldn't have been a colony quite yet but Hey,
0: suspend, suspend disbelief.
1: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, but um, that he and Viola are, like, leaving that night to, like, sail to Virginia. So that has also been, like, kind of looming over the affair the whole time Mm -hmm. as well.
0: But they are exiting the church, and a playbill hits Wessex in the face, which is, love that for him. Shakes it off. And she's like, okay, I think I'm doing this. She acts like she's gonna get into the carriage and then immediately runs out the other side.
1: <laughs> the nurse Once again, the nurse is collapsing onto Wessex to be, to like stall for Viola. Um, I do love this because it immediately makes me think of the line from Queen Elizabeth the I when like she, I guess like assesses Viola and she tells Wessex if you can never if you ever can't find your wife, look for her in the theater.
0: Such a good line. And it comes back very shortly. Um, <laughs> yes. But she does make it, meaning Viola makes it to the theater.
1: And we've had kind of like the cutting between the stuff with her in Wessex and all of the stuff leading up to the performance of the play. As with all plays, what can go wrong will go wrong on opening night. You've got... Um, I love the Puritan preacher out front, like railing against (laughs) theater and then getting dragged in with the crowds because we will cut to him later and it will be great. Um, You have uh, the tailor who is like trying to practice his lines of the opening monologue and like stuttering and like can't get it out. Will's freaking out about that. Will is going to be playing Romeo because they lost their Romeo. Um, You have the reveal. Sam's voice broke.
0: Ugh. It, it, and, it's shaping up to yeah. be a shit show, but remember, it how it works out, nobody knows it's a mystery. It's a
1: mystery <laughs> uh, So going into the play, we have all of this tension, right? We're worried about multiple actors in the show. We know that Wessex is going to be coming for Viola at any moment. The start of the play is one of my favorite moments in all of cinema history.:
0: It's so good.
1: You have the tailor, who we've been seeing struggle with the opening line, and there's the camera framing him, and I think Finneman behind stage, and you just see Finneman push him out, and the actor turns 90 degrees, and then we pan out to the waiting crowd of the theater. He walks to the front of the stage, starts to try and say the line, has a little bit of a stutter, and like the tension is like, Oh, it's It's palpable. It's, yes. And just the moment where he gets past it and hits the two houses, both alike in dignity. And like the play is off to the races.
0: Well, and if I'm not mistaken, there was like a full on, not quite spit take between literally everybody involved with that. They were like, this, is this the same person? (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. One, one piece of uh, the puzzle, solved
1: yeah we have one problem is gonna be okay um we still have sam to worry about luckily he doesn't go on for like 20 pages but we have no juliet (laughs) so you have jeffrey rush's character running up to tell burbage and the way this whole like we see huge chunks of the play but like the way it cuts between what is happening on stage the audience's reaction the different members of the troupe reacting to it like it's again just brilliant on the editing here Mm -hmm. um but you have Jeffrey Rush going up to Burbage being like we have no Juliet turns out who's sitting right there Viola and she's like uh what happened to Sam and you have that moment where Jeffrey Rush is just like who are you do you know it <laughs> once he realizes it's her yeah. he's like do you know it and she's like every word
0: i just he didn't even need to ask that question like maybe he didn't know that but we knew that and it was insulting to think you needed to but i digress <laughs> now the way she enters the stage this is beautiful to me because you have sam like psyching himself up to get ready to try and do a falsetto
1: and, you and have basically Will on stage. <laughs> <laughs> or No, Will's behind stage he's you behind stage the nurse, still the nurse on like the, the with, quote unquote nurse from mm-hmm. the romeo and juliet play along with and juliet's the, mother yeah on stage but
0: finneman like or henslow whoever clothesline sam and then immediately you have uh, viola like walk on so confidently launches into it and everybody's like oh wait what who the hell is this
1: (laughs) and just is like in it yeah and the way the troop rolls with it you have the shot of will's reaction where he can kind of see her through the set uh the way after she exits you have the two of them looking at each other and then the quick walk towards each other which cuts to them doing like the kiss on mm-hmm. stage like the editing is so great but also just like the staging like they're staging a play <laughs> during a lot of this
0: well and and the crypt scene at the end of Ju- Romeo and Juliet that they do such impressive acting here <laughs> and you get the crowd's reaction, which I think is so important here because the gasp that you hear when Juliet wakes up from her slumber is jarring in this really quiet moment and just tightens the whole yes. thing.
1: Well, and we've been cutting back to the audience and in much like in the rehearsals where you would see the troupe get more and more invested. We've seen the audience get more and more invested, including the the priest who is, you know, sitting there enraptured now at this story, I love the moment after the gasp. There's the pause, and Juliet does the um, "But where is my Romeo?" and you just have Viola's nurse and the audience sobbing. Just go dead, dead. <laughs> but it's then, like she, she does the death scene, everyone's reaction where like she pretends to stab herself and does like the red cloth with the fa- as like the fake blood, and then the moment with like the play ending and it just being silent until the one person starts to clap. And then it's just uproarious applause, a true standing ovation, not just a standing ovation to be polite, but a true one. Mm-hmm. I Yeah.
0: Don't get me started on that. There are way too many standing ovations no, these days. I am.
1: I am with you. It's If everyone does them all the time, they lose their impact.
0: Again, if everything is special, nothing is. So, But
1: you know the difference between mm-hmm. a true one. You can feel it um will and viola get their last kiss kind of behind the screen of actors um and then they get to stand up and take their bow
0: but not before our wonderful fun sucking finley tinley tilney. tilney tilney oh
1: i also do just want to point um, out finnaman is great as the apothecary i think he does oh
0: him. he does kill it uh but of course uh mr tilney the s- Queen's emissary to regulate the theater has to shut things down immediately. But, alas.
1: Guess who the else the Queen is in the audience.
0: audience. <laughs> and her starting, she's like, have a care with my name, you'll wear it out. It's like, uh, oh, I love that so guest. much. So good. But of course, I, I can't remember if we were recording or this was before the show, you were talking about how everybody just has to agree that we are operating in a delusion that this is not a woman on the stage because the queen does not attend lewd shows.
1: (laughs) And the queen says it's not a woman, so therefore it cannot be. Yeah, it is just like everyone has to agree to, like, what clearly just isn't reality just because (laughs) the queen says it is. But you have her, you know, being like, oh, pity Lord Wessex isn't here because I believe there was a wager. Uh, The rat kid (laughs) points to him and is like... (laughs) There oh, he is. No, he's, he's right here. there. <laughs> um you get uh her calling that out. Um she's, you know, on stage and is like, "Oh, come here, Master Kent." You have the moment where Viola starts to do the curtsy and the queen like eyes widen slightly and is like, "Don't fuck this up."
0: <laughs> and Viola stops
1: and then does the bow and the queen's like, "Oh, what an, a remarkable illusion." And everyone just has to be like, Yes, yes an illusion.
0: But her line about knowing something about it being a woman in a man's profession, like while that I think is, I, I don't know enough about her like writings to understand how the like real Queen Victoria would have you felt mean about Elizabeth that. Elizabeth
1: the first.
0: Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, Ian. Sorry, I, I, we had this discussion where I was thinking of Judy Dench as Victoria in Victoria and Abdul, not as Elizabeth I. So <laughs> apologies, Elizabeth. Regardless, that was a fun little modern twist that I liked.
1: Well, she would have been, I think, only the second female ruler, like third or second, depending on if you count Empress Maud female mm-hmm. ruler of England. And of course, like all there had been like a lot of turbulence before her about like not having a male ruler and all this stuff. So like, I think it's a very apropos line for her. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I do love the fact that Viola looks like Viola. She's in her wedding dress and then they are outside of the theater and Wessex is like, um, so like what happens now? And she has to be like, ah, Thomas Kent Identical twin (laughs) to Lady (laughs) Viola. Here's the money for the wager. Go give it to Master Shakespeare and say your goodbyes. Thomas Kent, not a woman. And everyone's like, ah, (laughs) yes. I just...
0: Thomas Kent.
1: (laughs) We don't have the scene that would have come after that, which is, quote unquote, Thomas Kent walking into the theater, coming out looking exactly the same and being... Lady Viola. <laughs> like, I just, it's ludicrous. But again, everyone has to buy into the delusion because we're under a pretty strict monarchy at this point. Um, there is a line that I do want to highlight from Queen Elizabeth where she says, um, Oh God, what is it? I wrote it down. Those who God has joined in marriage, even I cannot tear asunder, which I find super ironic considering who Elizabeth I's parents were. Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn.
0: I, I'm, you know, it's.
1: I just want to point that out there. just want to throw that a little bit out there.
0: Uh, Apparently, she's also going to the not-therapist and working through her trauma, so I don't know.
1: (laughs) And she's the queen. She has no trauma.
0: Doesn't she make it the country's trauma? The
1: volatile Tudor period did not affect her in any way, shape, or form. Um, But you do have the goodbye with Will and Viola, which is extremely touching.
0: And the way... It's just the fact that she is playing into the idea that truth is stranger than fiction like I I love 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 love, love that. So apparently the ending was reshot a whole bunch of times and I'm really happy this is what they ended ended on.
1: Yeah, yeah I think I think they got it right for sure um and her being like, you know use this as inspiration for your next play um and him talking about like you know a heroine, who's shipwrecked on a foreign shore and she's like you know he goes to the she goes to the duke but it's like you know dressed as a man and for her own protection and of course like they're alluding to the plot of the Shakespeare play Twelfth Night which the heroine of that play is named Viola which we see as he starts to kind of narrate the next play over like this montage of like him imagining like the shipwreck and her washing up on the shore and like the last shot is him doing the Viola colon and then her first line of the play Mm -hmm. so perfect ending I think
0: we did get just as a very fast aside another callback to the how does it work out it's a mystery from Viola and that was such a nice touch
1: oh yeah I think it's a perfect ending I think it's great
0: couldn't agree more
1: also like the last 30 minutes when they're doing the play is like some of my favorite stuff
0: it's a they they did exactly what i hope filmmakers do when they you take a stage play and incorporate it or put it on film like used the medium perfectly and the editing and the soundtrack came in at all the right moments not to mention the costumes which were astoundingly good so it's it, it lives up to all the hype.
1: The acting too, like everyone when they're like, you know, in the quote unquote play, like they are acting it as if on stage. I'm a fan. I really enjoy this movie. I find it just like really charming and delightful.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure.
1: Should we get into rankings?
0: We should, but it's gonna take me a hot second because um,
1: I know this one's gonna be a little hard for me. Because it's hard to rank comedies because we don't get many of them. And they're just different vibes. And I don't want to be like, oh, but some things should get ranked higher because they're dealing with more emotional or like, quote unquote, difficult or quote unquote, Mm-mm. serious subject matter. I know I do that some, but I'm going to try and see, not to.
0: My problem is I want to have it around the same place as the Titanic. So like kind of in the high high teens, low t- low to mid twenties, but I can't. I'm having trouble coming up with like a good spot in there.
1: I think I know where I'm gonna put it, but there's a group of like five or six movies that like I just need to reshuffle them. Yeah, They're like same. Roughly in the right place. I just need to reshuffle the exact order. So that would be my caveat on where I'm putting putting it is that there are a couple movies below it that i would probably like reshuffle it with but for now this is where it's going but we're getting close to another reordering episode thanks we're gonna start God, doing them every decade we have <laughs> it's to. getting harder and harder
0: honestly and this is gonna break your heart so sorry i think i have on the waterfront too high in my list
1: oh <laughs> you need to rewatch it i also need ian doesn't I... like a working man's narrative <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also need to move Sound of Music down. um, So both of those are up kind of in this range where... Okay. I think I'm ready.
1: Okay. Do you want to go first?
0: So uh, similarly to Titanic where I'm kind of like I am struggling to like put the exact order in. Um, I'm also struggling with this movie because I ended up finding it better than I expected. Um, and kind of like I said at the beginning, like, yeah, it's not, you know, a super weighty, like dramatic epic film, but it's really well done. Um, so I'm going to end up putting it at number 21. I think this is like roughly where I want it to be. So kind of in the top third of the list for sure. Um, so that puts it after Titanic and before on the waterfront. So, um, really for me, I think the Titanic's effects and the way they use that to heighten the epic nature of the whole back half of that film really are what kind of edges it ahead for me. Um, the love story in Shakespeare and Love, I think I liked a little bit better, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but in terms of the ambition for what was done, Titanic really is the the winner for, for me in that category. Um, now, in terms of on the waterfront, I think this goes back to...
1: Should I take off my headphones while you talk about that movie?
0: Well, all I was gonna say is that movie just does not resonate with me in the same way that this one does, and it's like I I I really struggle to pinpoint why, and I I don't know if it's it's maybe okay. I just like (laughs) how is William Shakespeare elite in this film?
1: (laughs) I was just talking about you not liking. Oh my god!
0: Um, Well, it's not that I don't like it; it's that like.
1: It's okay if it didn't resonate with you the same it way it resonated didn't. with me. That's fine. I and will so just I, give you shit about it forever.
0: It, well, and uh, yeah, I know. And this is not like a good enough reason to like put Shakespeare in love above it. I just liked Shakespeare in love more. The story resonated with me better. That's like, a valid I think
1: reason. Those are all good reasons.
0: Overall, like the cast was like, I like, I remember very clearly some of the main characters in On the Waterfront but like the supporting cast seemed to fall more in the background like i don't know it this ensemble in shakespeare in love just felt so much tighter and more engaging
1: those are all perfectly good and valid reasons it's your list these are your rankings i liked it better is a good enough reason to put it above something
0: ah uh, but again i just i don't on the waterfront is not a bad movie i just no art is yeah, fully so, subjective
1: and anyway. you can subjectively be wrong it's fine um I actually also put Shakespeare in Love at 21. Um We gotta I, stop
0: this. We we have to like disagree more.
1: <laughs> on the waterfront, we very much disagree on. Um But yeah, I for kind of a lot of the same reasons. Like I just think it's a really solid movie. I again I enjoy it. Like I think it's very charming. I like Shakespeare, I like theater a lot. I love like the cutting between like the rehearsals and you know Will and Viola and I the performance at the end is like one of my favorite segments of a movie like ever um I also have it just under Titanic I I think that like the, the first half of Titanic is probably weaker than Shakespeare in Love but that the back half of Titanic is better than Shakespeare in Love and totally I just agree. think the back half of Titanic like you said like it's super ambitious it's well executed I I just really love like the the back half of it, um, and then I think it also just like like I don't know. There's something about Titanic where like I kind of want to give it some points for cultural relevance. I'd agree. Um, I think it has like some staying power.
0: And and so much of James Cameron work James Cameron's work to me is is kind of that. And like to his credit, he pushes the technical side of things so hard. Oh yeah, and that I think is an important you know, feather in his cap. Great.
1: Say what you want about, say what you want about avatar plots. Mm-hmm. Like the visuals are unparalleled and like no one has done the things he has done.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen the second avatar, but the f- the first one absolutely groundbreaking I've only, in my I've mind. I've only
1: seen clips of the second one, but like the visuals are still stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it just above Hell Green Was My Valley. That's another one that like I really enjoyed that movie and I don't think you enjoyed it as much, Um, but I'm a big fan of that one. It also has like a pretty strong like unrequited love story in it too, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and that's another one where I was like very into the cinematography and soundtrack. I do have a few below Shakespearean love that I would on re-rankings pull above it. So it will probably fall a little bit when we do our re-rankings, like terms of endearment. I would pull above it. Um, Potentially pull platoon above it. Although like, I don't think I'll ever watch platoon again, really good movie, but like really difficult watch.
0: Oh yeah, Platoon's in my top 10. So I, I everyone you mentioned for me are are above Shakespeare yeah, in love. Yeah, so I
1: I do think like part of me ranking Shakespeare in love highly is like I have and will watch it more than once. I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. It's just again, it's delightful. It's got it happened one night energy about it.
0: It does, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I like when we get to do a comedy.
0: Me too. It is so refreshing given especially the fact that we're gonna have to slog through American Beauty next time.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I that'll be that'll be a tough episode, but hopefully it'll be like an interesting episode. But then we get to re rank.
0: Thank God. Yeah.
1: Maybe after American Beauty, we'll like reward ourselves with like a fun special episode. So be thinking of ideas. We haven't I done like a special it. episode in a little while.
0: We really haven't. Granted, we haven't done a lot of episodes in a little while, so you know what, though,
1: we're back at it. We're working on it.
0: I like it. Um, So, yeah, that is uh, Shakespeare in Love. Overall, uh, it's a fun watch.
1: Yeah, you guys will have to let us know what you think about it. Like, you know, and do you think that it maybe doesn't get as much like attention as it deserves because of like it going up against Saving Private Ryan and stuff like that? Like, do you think that hurts the perception of the movie? Are you in on this one, are you out on this one? Um, let us know. We are at Best Pictures Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, review. You guys know how it works.
0: Thanks again for listening and join us next time for American Beauty.